So I promise when we figure out what's going on with the projector, we'll show you, we'll show you the video, the Mission Week video, because it's, it's awesome. And uh, as Josh shared with you already a little bit about um, Mission Week, I'm going to as well. And so I'm asking for mercy if you were integral, if you were vital to Mission Week and you helped serve and were an adult team leader or, or just, just came to worship or watched online, um, uh, extend a little mercy my way because I'm going to share with you what I shared the very, very, very last day of Mission Week on Thursday as we talked about the theme. The theme for the whole week was one. So we talked, um, I, I kicked us off night one talking about one moment and then Pastor Tina talked about one love and then Amanda Hardiman, one body and then Andrea Roberts, one mind and then I closed with one mission. So this number one, trying to help our students understand what unity means and what we're all called to do and all called to be. And in one moment, the emphasis was that really time is precious. Our days are numbered. God has made moments for us. So it's, we better not miss them. And so often we just are not ready for those moments in our life and they pass us by. And that's what we talked about on Sunday night. And then Pastor Tina talked to us about one love, that in our day and in our time, we use the word love for lots of things, and we use it very casually. And she got us into Genesis and talked about God's love for us, and that we're made in the image of God, and that regardless of whether we know someone or don't know somebody, we are called to love one another like Christ loves us. And then Amanda talked to us about one body and how in the diversity and in, in, in uh, our sometimes lack of familiarity with one another, and sometimes we, we're afraid of the unknown and we're not really approachable to people, in all of this, in all of this, God has created us uniquely with unique functions and unique abilities and with unique gifts and graces to come together as one body, that we're all children of God. And then Andrea Roberts talked to us about one mind, the mind of Christ, this attitude of the heart that we remember that when Jesus came for us, even though he had the same status, the same power as the Father, being equal in that power and in that status, he comes to us not to exploit that power over us, not to show off. He comes not to be served, but to serve that he came to give us everything that he had so we could have everything we need. And nothing else will do for us. Nothing else will sustain us. Nothing else will give us life. And so one mission, one mission. And I was just reflecting this week and I just, I need to be reminded about our mission. And I think you do too. And, and our students for the first time, some of them are just trying to understand for the first time what our mission is. Because it's one and the same mission that we have. We all have the same mission. And I, I challenged them a little bit because it's gonna be, take, it's gonna take more intentional time on their part now to, to focus on that, to live that out. That mission week was just the beginning. It was preparing them to advance and move forward and not undo the good work that God had done in them that week, but to press on and advance the kingdom of God because scripture says the gates of hell can't stand against us, can't stand against the church, can't contain all that God has equipped them to do and to be. And so we need to be reminded about what that mission is. And it's important for clarity 
Because I don't know about you, but I know there are a lot of competing voices in my life. Hear a lot of noise in my life from everywhere, from everywhere. So many voices at home, at work, here, media. Just think about all the voices that we hear in a day competing and vying for our attention, for our allegiance. It's easy to get distracted and disoriented about what our mission is because everyone wants, wants us to follow them and, 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 to, and to sign up with what they're about. So many voices. And it's easy to get, mis- to, to, to get the message wrong or the mission wrong in, in communication, or we think the objective is one thing and it's another thing. And we've seen how the game of telephone works. Like I remember when, when I was in first grade, Mrs. Whiter's class, the line leader would get a message and that person would have to pass it back, pass it back, pass it back till it got to the very end. And then the message was very different at the, at the back of the line than what the teacher actually instructed us to do. And, and it can be that way with, with trying to understand and grasp what our mission is. Or we have competing objectives. We get the objective wrong. We've seen disastrous battles throughout history just end in utter ruin and utter failure because people weren't lined up with the mission. Everyone had a different understanding as to what it is that they were doing. There's this famous expedition, one of the famous um, First, well, the beginning of the end for a famous general, Napoleon, guy with an extraordinary ego in 1812, he, he assembles the greatest army ever, ever to advance, ever to be put together on the planet. He assembles over 600,000 men, over almost 200,000 horses to march into Russia only to die in winter because you run out of provisions pretty quick when you got to keep up with the, the needs of what everybody's got to eat and what the horses need to eat. And it's like, what? There was confusion. How, how, are we, how is this supposed to work? How are we supposed to survive this? There was miscommunication on the mission. There wasn't common understanding. There wasn't clear clarity about what the objective was. And I think a lot of missions fail because of the filter that we're using. We all have a filter that we engage with reality. Like, like the filters on our cameras, there's a filter that we have. And for some of us, that filter is comparison. That we experience life and we compare like what we have in our experiences and our attitudes and what we're doing with, with other people. And that creates some resentment sometimes. We can get jealous, we can get angry, and we're not measuring up. But we can also play comparison with components of our life, the way in which we compartmentalize our life. And, and we, we have it going on and we have it, we, we're doing pretty well at work maybe. And because we're doing so well at work, we, we sometimes rationalize and give ourselves license to let another part of our life go. Or vice versa, we're doing pretty well at home, like we've been really responsible with the kids, we've been help, helping out our spouse, we've been really good there, and sometimes in comparison, because we're doing so well there, well, I can, I can let this, this kind of go, I can do, sometimes even within our own bodies, within our own lives, we compartmentalize things in our own life to let go of, of the one mission that we're all called to do called to let go of. There's some, some, some sort of filter that we use. For some of us, that, that filter is pride. We can't get out of our own way. And we view the world 
as if it revolves around us and our needs and our wants. And that's, that's a filter of pride. And whether our, whatever our filter is, if it's comparison, if it's pride, we, we can't live out our mission that we're called to through those filters. And Josh just said it earlier, the filter that we need, the filter that we have to keep coming back to is, is God's word. It's what God says about us. We have to allow God's word to shape reality and shape the way we see other people, shape our actions, shape the way we see the world. We have to have a filter that is the filter of God's word if we're gonna live into the mission because in order for us to even understand what our mission is, we need that filter. And for many of us, even as adults, we kind of forget We get complacent, we get lazy, we forget what the mission is. And we need, some of us need that lyric that we just sang to wake up. Some of us need revival in our own lives. And as a church, we constantly need to be paying attention to the new ways the Holy Spirit is showing up and leading us and directing us to live out our one mission. There were two very famous men in church history. Uh, Augustine, some of you might know him as St. Augustine, um, in the Catholic Church, it's definitely St. Augustine. And of course, John Wesley, these, these two men affected billions, not millions, but billions of lives all throughout church history. And they too got dry spiritually. They got wayward. And, and it, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit woke them up and gave them some scripture to read that they were on the same page and on the right track again with the mission that they knew God had called them to. And for Augustine, that scripture passage is Romans chapter 13, verses 13 to 14. And this tells you a lot about where Augustine was in his life at the time. Because this is what woke him up. Let us behave decently as in daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. The filter that Augustine had used to live his life was a filter of lust. He constantly succumbed as he kept seeking after the Lord, seeking after the Lord. He kept succumbing to just physical pleasure and good feelings and, and, and fun experiences. And he just constantly fell short gratifying himself over and above the mission that he was called to and, until finally this word got to him. <laughs> And he stopped living such an egocentric life. And he started to live in according to the rhythm of God's mercy and God's grace. And John Wesley, we didn't cover this in our Rooted series that we did a while back about John Wesley. But that famous day where the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and strangely warmed his heart, he read this passage earlier that day. Second Peter chapter 1 verses three to four. Again, this is at a time when Wesley's already been a priest. Wesley's been serving in the church. <laughs> but, but what would cause him and propel him forward to circle the globe 10 times in his ministry had, had something to do with what God spoke to him through this passage of scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses three to four. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and special promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Wesley read this early in the morning and you can see the way in which he responded to this, the way in which he would go and proclaim the gospel exhaustively and organize small groups and, and spread this movement called Methodism, which this church is a part of, to spread scriptural holiness across the land. John Wesley finally was revived that day and was, and was given a vision for how to live out the mission that God had called him to. So what's, what is this mission? What is this mission that's the same for all of us? And many of us know it as the Great Commission. That's what it's referred to as in Scripture. And before we read the Great Commission, it's at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. I want you to think about this relationship between what we put in, the work that we do, and what we get out of that effort. All that we put in versus what we receive versus what we get out of it. Because I, you know, it was interesting. I learned uh, some adult lessons in, in how pay structures work. So most of my life, I've, I was paid very simply as a salary kind of person. So all the paychecks were the same, right? Every couple weeks, same, same amount. Busy season, slow season. I did a ton of work that week. Did, did very little work that week. Same amount, same amount. So there isn't this correspondence always to the amount that you put in and what you receive out of it. It's a, a very balanced structure. But then I had a job that was a commission-based structure and had to learn some hard lessons pretty quick because there's this, the way in which you're paid is tied strictly to production. For any of you that have sales jobs or have had sales jobs, you know how this works, that, that the more you produce, the more you sell, the more you're paid, and the more you don't, you don't get paid. And so your paychecks fluctuate. There isn't the sameness. And uh, it can be pretty difficult. And the amount of effort that you put in, sometimes you, you still don't always get what you put in. So I want you to think about that relationship, the way the world works sometimes and the way in which we work in our own personal lives because it works a little different in the kingdom as we get into Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. So this is how the part that we know is the Great Commission begins. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted, but some doubted. That's interesting. Right before we get to the spot, the part of this passage that's the Great Commission, they go, they're obedient to find Jesus, but some doubted. And, and I, I think some of us are resistant and reluctant and don't think we can live into the mission that God has given all of us because we're not qualified or we're afraid or we, that's not our job or there's, we've got a lot of questions and doubts. And, and Jesus here invites his disciples with their doubt, with their questions to come to the mountain and worship. And that it's never too late as long as there's breath in our lungs to come. We remember that thief on the cross who, as far as we know, lived most of his life far from God. As far as we know. 
And then right at the end, he looked at Jesus dying next to him and understood that he was who he said he was and who his followers said he was. And Jesus sees that man and understands and acknowledges that that man had faith and says, today I will be with you, you will be with me in paradise, even though it took his whole life to get to that place. As far as we know, he wasted the rest of his life, but right at the very, very end, Jesus says that man is with him in paradise. But 11 disciples come. 11 disciples went to Galilee, so it's never too late as long as there's breath in our lungs, but 11 disciples, not 12, came, because for one, time ran out. One gave up the fight. One gave up the mission. One chose to betray Jesus. One was putting in and putting in and expecting to get something else out of the deal and he wasn't getting what he wanted so he gave up on the mission. And what he wanted was so much less than what Jesus had to give. And please, I think we're challenged in that to never desire anything less for anything less than all of what God wants to give us. And Judas desired so much less. As we get into this part now that's called the Great Commission, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the mission for us is to go make disciples, to go make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I think there's a resistance in many of our spirits to this. Again, because we don't feel qualified or we're afraid or I can't teach so good. So how am I supposed to, in all my insecurity and feelings of inadequacy, do this? And we can get stuck in our questions and uncertainty about how, about how we do this exactly. And, and I would say to your, to your suspicions and to your doubts about yourself, if you doubt that you can do this, if God didn't say, I'm with you, then yeah, I'd say, forget the mission, you're doomed. <laughs> if God didn't say, I, I didn't, I, I'm go before you, I'm going to be with you always to the very, 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 end, then we would be, we would be done. The mission would never, ever get off the ground. But this is what God says he's going to do. God says he's going to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's what God says he's going to do through us in the midst of our feelings and in the midst of of sometimes our our wanting to resist. God says, I'm gonna do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So not only are you gonna do more than you ever thought you could do, you're gonna receive more than you ever put in. And that's how it works in the kingdom of God that we're gonna receive so much more than we ever put into the deal. Because y'all know if you've ever, if you've ever been part of a, any kind of a commission structure, you can work and work and work. And if you're selling houses, somebody makes your customer mad on your team, there goes the deal, dead deal, done. 
or the survey shows the house is too close to the road. You've worked and worked, you've put in, you've put in all the time, you're expecting to get paid and now all of a sudden that's gone. And so many of our plans, so much of our lives and our work is that way. And the world constantly teaches us that life is unfair. The world constantly disappoints us and will always let you down. You may get what you put in the deal, but you probably won't. You'll probably get less. But with God, who promises to be with us always, we will do and receive more than we can ever comprehend, the more than we can ever understand. And the beauty and the mystery of this mission that we're called to is that God's glory, God's glory will be found in your weakness because of your willingness to go. God's glory will be found in your weakness because of your willingness to go make disciples of Jesus Christ. It will be found because of your willingness to go into hard situations and endure faithfully. God's glory will be found in your weakness because of your willingness to go and face giants that need to be slayed. Giants like fear and anxiety and depression and sin and evil. God's glory will be found in your weakness because of your willingness to go across Division Street and rescue the dying and rescue the perishing. So we all have this one mission. And my prayer is is for myself and for you and for us as a church to constantly ask God for revival and help us, help us, God, live according to this mission. Give us all in the unique ways that we're gifted and graced with all kinds of abilities. Give us a unique vision as to how I can live out this mission, Lord. Because when we go, it's our willingness to go We can never allow our limitations or our weaknesses hinder this this message and this mission. It's no excuse for us because of what God says to us, that our limitations, our weaknesses, these problems that we seem to have are what God's going to use to show others his glory you know, Paul, we've, we've talked about this passage before. It's such a powerful passage. The Apostle Paul tried to pray away his weaknesses. He tried to pray away one in particular. He says, you know, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But God said, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I know we've studied this scripture before. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships, disappointments and persecutions and difficulties, all of it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is God calling you to live out this mission? And may that be our prayer today, this week, going forward. God, give me a vision. Give me a vision and renew and refresh and revive this focus in my life to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Will you please pray with me? Holy God, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your gospel of this good news that every person needs, Lord, 
that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, you love us. You love each and every one of us more than, more than we can ever love. More than a father can even love a son, more than a mom can love a daughter, you love us more and we are thankful and God help us. Give us your power, help us stay focused on the mission in the midst of all the voices in our lives that are vying for our allegiance, that are trying to distract us, Lord. Help us stay focused and it is in the word of this psalmist that we lift up, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen.